Uh, there are some times that we as a family, we like to, to do things together and uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Mel booked the Infinity. You know, everyone has that place in the Gold Coast, Infinity. Um, you know, we'd heard about it for years and so we, Mel thought, oh yeah, we'll go. And Pete, you can come too. I'm like, yay. Um, and so we went uh, and it was an experience, wasn't it, Charlotte? <laughs> it wasn't as, well, you can't talk either, mate. Uh, and and it was an experience. We oh yeah, sorry. And so we we went and we started doing it as a, as a family. And they get you to wear those little booties and little sock things on your hands. And we're going through. And there was this one room. Do you remember the the one? Well, you guys were struggling as it is because it was pitch black. Um, but it was, do you remember the one room that you guys just lost it? Both you. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to protect you. <laughs> the mirror room. You remember? We walked into the mirror room and you just, yeah, you guys lost it. Um, oh, it was, I, I, yeah, I thought it was interesting anyway. But it was interesting because it was, we were in this mirror room and there's mirrors on the roof and there's mirrors on the floor. There's mirrors everywhere in the wall and we have to find our way through the mirror room to get to the other door to get out. And as we walk in and we're all in there and there's, there's weird lights and, and um, obviously you can't see where the lights are coming from because they're all reflections and you can't see where the door is because everything's a reflection and you're in the room so you become a reflection so everything is just a reflection. And so you have to navigate through this room of how to get through this, get and find the other door and meanwhile as we're going through and Charlotte's losing it and Zeph is losing it and so we're trying to I was going to be a bit more compassionate, but yeah, because <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hilarious as well as um, trying to, because yeah, we had people behind us too and we're trying to move through so we didn't get stuck in the room and they couldn't come. Anyway, it was a big story and anyway, we, walked, we worked our way through and trying to coach the kids and it's not that scary, we're here, you're not going to, you know, we're not going to leave you and run off and you have to stay there forever in the mirror room. But it, it's interesting when you start thinking about it how, what's the word I'm looking for? How easy it is to lose your way when everything is distorted, when you can't see a clear path to walk through. And this is my final little message on my series called From, By and Two. So we're doing the part three, two. And this all derived from this concept of trying to explain or trying to help people understand that we are saved from our past, that we are saved by Jesus, but we are also saved to something. And understanding that you are saved to something helps you move through life. And, and, and looking at this situation that we were in at the infinity and, and the kids trying to understand that we have to go through this room, but right now I can't see how to get through and I can't see anything around me. All I can see is mirrors and I look in this mirror and there's a hundred of me and I look in this mirror and there's a hundred of me. And so I, everything becomes distorted. Everything becomes almost like false and how do I navigate through this? And so this is where it sort of stirs me to the point where sometimes we need to go back to 
in some ways a lot of basics in order to understand how we can move forward. That's why sometimes going, you know, getting that feeling of oh, I, I'm going, all I'm doing is going backwards is not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes you need to go backwards in order to go forwards, which is a weird concept, but it has a lot of truth to it. And the struggle was very real for our kids when they were in that surroundings. They were trying to navigate it through, but they could struggling. And I think Charlotte was just losing it to the point she wasn't moving. So we had to nudge. That's a nice way of putting it. Nudge her through as we were feeling through. So you can imagine what it was like, but it was a lot of fun. It was an experience. I recommend it for everybody. Duane, you should take all your kids there right now. (laughs) Oh, you should take your kids. Take the kids, seriously. But Brad, you guys should take your kids. That'd be fun because they're a little bit older, so. And then, or maybe you should pay the little one and say, just lose it. Because <laughs> that always creates a bit more of an avenue of fun, I suppose. But uh, if you do have kids, go and take them. It's, it's, it's an adventure anyway. But what's that? Don't do it. <laughs> and sometimes we can st- struggle to understand our position our identity in Christ because we're, we're trying to understand that we're saved by grace which is a foreign concept because we're always used to the buts. We're always used to I do this and then I get this. It's always a, an exchange to receive something but in Christ we're actually saved by grace. So we have a position that we have that we didn't earn that we can't get and yet it's paramount to us understanding our future or what God has in store for us. And because we have this humanistic kind of point of view or perspective, it, we struggle to understand or that understanding our position is in Christ and our identity is in Christ beyond just the simple words. And I find a lot of people use the concept or understand the concept as, as Christianese but don't grasp the reality that we are in Christ so I'm going to endeavor to explain this a little bit more. And this is what I've been trying to do over the last three weeks, trying to make sure that you understand that we are in Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places, yet we still have a humanistic point of view or humanistic perspective. And sometimes what, uh, what happens is we're too used to listening to the enemy um, or the devil, however you want to put it, determining who we are based upon what we've come through and we're so used to hearing that voice that we don't necessarily understand that it's him anymore it's become almost like a second voice of our, in our own head and so we have to understand who the devil is and what he's trying to do he is trying to rip you off because he hates god and he does that by going after that which God loves. And God loves you to the point that he sent his only son to die for you. And because Jesus lived a perfect life, he became the perfect sacrifice for us. And it's because of that that we are now found in Christ. So when the Father, I explained this last week for my son Zeph, as the Father looks at you, he no longer looks at you through your position or through your hum- humanity, through your sinfulness, he looks at you through your position in Christ. And so we need to understand that in order to understand how we go to our future. Now, let me explain this. So we have a position in Christ by grace, that we are saved by grace. It's nothing we've earned, it's nothing we've 
we can actually do. It's because of Jesus Christ that we have this position. And this position is in Christ. So when the Father sees us, we are in Christ. We are, he sees us through Christ because we're in him. Does that make sense? But we also have this other position, and this is more of our condition, this is how we live our practice, that this is where we are in our sinful nature. That when we make mistakes, when we, when we sin, when we do the wrong thing, it's out of this position. You can't actually sin in this position in Christ. And as we go through life and as we involve the Holy Spirit in our lives, because this is why the Holy Spirit was here, the process of transformation or being sanctified is joining the two or bringing the two closer together. It's not the position of Christ in Christ actually comes closer to you. You actually go closer to it. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do through the Word, through praise, through worship, through the reading of the Word, through spending time with God, is actually bring this position or our condition, our sinfulness, closer to the position of being in Christ. Does that make sense? So God is actually moving in your life in such a way that he is not trying to better you in any other way but bring you closer to him. And this is where we come into a lot of understanding or misunderstanding because we live in this place of, of our condition and we see our sinfulness and we're trying to work out, hang on, everything the Bible says, like that passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians where it says, uh, it's no longer I, li- I that live, I, I live in Christ, uh, uh, the old has gone, the new has come. And it doesn't make sense to us because we see our position or our condition in this concept of I slip, I make mistakes, I can't do things that are perfect. How is it that I am a new creation when I'm still my old self? And so it begins to play tricks on our mind because in our humanistic point of view, unless something makes sense, it, it doesn't. Unless we can see the fullness of what something is, it often doesn't make sense. It's like putting a motor, getting a motor, Right? If you rip apart a motor and mechanic, it makes sense how certain things work. Right? You put this here, you put this here, screw this here, you put a seal on here, that all makes sense. There's compression, there's, there's fuel, there's combustion, the engine moves. But when you come to Christianity, when you come to a relationship with the Father, sometimes things don't make sense in our humanistic point of view because they're kingdom. And our humanistic point of view of being in Christ is difficult to understand because we're so, we're so used to looking at it through our humanistic point of view, through a sinfulness. And this is where it becomes conflict in our lives. This is why some of us struggle to move into our futures because we're sitting there looking, I'm forgiven by grace, I don't get this. It doesn't make sense to me because... I still sin. I still do the wrong thing even when I'm not trying. I'm still, I still find it difficult to pray to God. I still find it difficult to read my Bible. I still can make reasons why not to go to church or this happens or this happens. I still can find it easy to sin. I can still find it easy to have an argument with my wife. I can still have unforgiveness towards my husband. No. <laughs> right? So in this point of view, I can still see my own faults and I can't see myself in this position. So my understanding of being in Christ is challenged. But when I received Christ, when I received the Holy Spirit, my life began to change. And what was changing was the transformation. I was being renewed in Christ and this position of my condition was actually drawing slowly, slowly towards my 
position in Christ. And this doesn't happen in an instant. This doesn't happen so made my heart, I gave my heart to Jesus, boom. I am perfect, whole, do nothing wrong. It's the understanding of the two different positions that we actually have and the marrying of the two that takes place when the Holy Spirit actually works and develops in us. See, I no longer live my myself. I am now found in Christ. But what's important is understanding this position as it's being transformed. I need a measuring rod which measures myself against my position in Christ. And this is where the Word of God comes. The Word of God is given to us as a measuring rod so we can measure ourselves up against it to understand that I need to be constantly working in my life, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life so I can marry my position and my condition together. And the more I understand that I don't measure up and that I need His grace, the more I'm open actually to receiving the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. And it's my perspective that actually needs to adjust. adjust. It's my understanding, my revelation. And the more time I spend in the Word of God, the more time I spend with the Holy Spirit, the more I understand that my condition and my position don't marry up. And I must begin to start seeing myself in the position that I have in Christ over my condition. So when I make a mistake, I understand that grace is there for my shortfall and that I can repent and make myself right and pull myself back into this place of where I should be, understanding that God is constantly working in me. Now we all, I assure all of you, want to walk in victory. Be successful. Do the things that you're called to do. Achieve all the things you want to achieve. Have the things that you want to achieve. Be a blessing to all the people that you know. I have no doubt there's not one person in this place that doesn't want to fulfill the purpose of God that they have on their life. That they do not want to see the blessings. It would be nice that every single one of us was walking in the fullness that Christ is. Fulfilling all the promises that God has for us. Seeing all the good things that God wants to give to us. Walking in that place of victory. And the challenge is understanding now humanistic point of view or our condition and dealing with the condition. And that's where it becomes fun. See, the more time I'm spending time in the Word of God, more time I'm spending in the Spirit of God, allowing the Spirit of God to talk to me, the more I understand how feeble I really am and the more grace I actually need from God. But I also get to understand the more He is working in me. The challenges that I have experienced in my life, even the little ones, right? Like this morning. What do you want to do, God? It causes me to turn to, to Him now, not away from Him. And the challenges that I've gone through, the more I learn that I need to turn to God, the more He's able to work in those situations and bring about what He wants to do. See, it's not my will that wants, needs to be done, it's His will. So my question has to be, what do you want to do, God, not what I want to do? What I want to do is bring out the triangle. What God wants to do is teach you another level of worship. What God wants to do is teach you another understanding of thanksgiving. What God wants to do is teach you to come closer to Him and that you don't need instruments. Because look, here's the reality. Right? I know the couple that brought the Holy Spirit to the east coast of Australia. I know the couple that went up the coastline and brought the move of God in this country in the 70s. 
Now, he's no longer here. But you'll be surprised that they did their meetings in a tent. And their worship team was him on an accordion. Now, you know, when God wants to do something, you don't need to have the perfect instruments. I mean, if you can bring the Holy Spirit with an accordion, right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of accordion. I can't stand them. I appreciate the skill involved one, but it's not my gifting, and it's not something that I appreciate, right? But when God wants to move, he can move. And he's not waiting for the perfect musician, even though we are richly blessed. We are richly blessed with a phenomenal music team. And they put so much time and effort in in trying to perfect their craft. But what determines the move of God isn't how good the music team is. It's whether or not it's the right season for him to move, whether or not the right avenue is there for him to move, whether or not the right conditions. Because God doesn't work the time. He's not working to your watch, your chronos time. He's working to a kairos time, which is a moment in time, a divine moment in time. And quite often what we're doing is we're trying to, because this is how we work, right? We work according to time. We work understanding the calendars of the week and the days of the week. We work to sort of a structured process, even when we don't like a lot of structure. Everything is in, we're trying to bring order to things because that's how we understand it. And God's sitting there going, yep, and all I need you to do is trust me and let go. All I need you to do is release your stronghold of your thoughts of control and so you begin to trust me. So you can open up your heart and understand that my principles aren't there to hurt you. They're there to bring you into the fullness of what I have for you. And so we come to this passage of Scripture. In Ephesians 1, verse 3. And we've been doing this. We did this last week in in Maximize on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And we are starting back up. It's not this week. Is it next week? It's next week. Because as you begin to read Ephesians, Ephesians is a very, very different book. Paul, when he writes the book of Ephesians to the Ephesians, he's not addressing a uh, character fault. He's actually, it's just about encouragement. It's just about understanding. And so he reads in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 3, he says, Blessed so first one and two is all about the greeting, but the first three is where he gets started. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. First of all, you need to understand that is post tense. It means you already have it. it. Means God has already given you everything in that passage of scripture. It's not something you have to obtain. It is something that's freely given. And this is why we need to understand our position in Christ because all of God's promises are in this position. It's not something that we earn from this position. It's something that is freely given. And he says, Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, you can unpack that for days. But it first starts talking about, blessed be the God and the Father. God is the Father, and He is blessed. God has everything He needs. He has that position as Heavenly Father. And when we understand His position as our Heavenly Father, we begin to bring order in our relationship with Him. He is our Father. 
and my son and my daughter know that I am their father. They also know when things are out of order, it's my job as the father to bring order. And you love that, don't you? You love when daddy brings order, don't you? And sometimes order, when order is brought, it sometimes is, is comfortable and sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's done with a bit of loving and gentleness and sometimes it's done in the other way. But order needs to become, always come in. And the kingdom of God always walks in an order. God is the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the Holy Spirit that takes you to Jesus, and Jesus takes you to the Father. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so if you try and get to God without the understanding of the order, you can't actually get to him. That's where it becomes foreign concept for, I'll say it to the Jewish, because they can no longer get to God the Father through God the Father. They actually have to go through Jesus Christ. But they have to be led by the Holy Spirit who takes them to Jesus, who takes them to the Father. And order is paramount to understanding your future or where you're called to or your purpose to or where you're saved to because when you understand the order of how things happen, then you can understand how you move in things because you understand how to get God. It's the Holy Spirit that draws you. It's the Holy Spirit who works you. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight. That's why we're led by the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all things. That's why he is the spirit of truth. He leads us into truth. And when we're led by his spirit into all things, then he can take us to Jesus. And Jesus is where you want to be. Because Jesus not only died for your sin, but he also rose you from the dead. And so when we're in Christ, in this position, we can move into all the things we need to. Because he takes you to the Father, and it's the Father who is blessed. And when we start beginning to understand the next thing, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in this position in Christ. This position of Christ grants you the position to stand before the Father. This position in Christ gives you every spiritual blessing that you could possibly imagine. This position in Christ opens up the windows of heaven for you to walk in the fullness of who you're called to be, in the fullness of who Christ is, in the fullness of who the Father is. It's in this position. And we don't have this position because we are phenomenal. We don't have this position because I'm wonderful. I don't have this position because I'm anything other than saved by grace. But it's the Holy Spirit who's working in me in this position that draws me closer to this position, who marries me to the Father. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to draw us, so he's the one who's, who, when we're reading, reading the Word, he's the one that brings conviction. He's the one who tells us, hey, you need to work on this. He's the one that, in the, in the testimony that Tad was giving, brought up the fact that, hey, there was some more forgiveness. There was another layer of forgiveness that had to be dealt with. That's the Holy Spirit. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we're allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to work in us, he is drawing out that which we don't need and filling us with what we do need. And what we do need more than anything else is revelation from the Spirit of Truth. Because revelation is revealed truth. And the problem that I find with a lot of people, a lot of Christians, is we don't understand our identity. We don't understand who we are. 
There's a system that takes place in the army, right? You join the army, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to break you. They're going to break you of who you, th- who you thought you were. Because you enter in, you think you're awesome. And they're going to break you. And they need to break you because the next thing they do is they build you up in a team. They build you up in your little platoon. This is your platoon. This is what you need. This is your core things. You depend on this team. This team is going to get you through. Then they skill you up. They give you skills. They give you, this is how you do this and this is how you do this. This is the tactics we're going to give you. This is the whole process that takes place in the army. It's the same thing that happens in the kingdom of God. The first thing that God does when you come, become a G, uh, you get born again, is he breaks you. And he breaks that, that spirit that, or that condition through grace. He breaks it because it needs to be broken. And then he, what he does, he brings you around a group. And that's your church. He brings you around a spiritual family. And he, he brings you into this place of going, hey, this is what you need. This is where you need to be. This is all the things that you need is right here. This is where your praise and worship is. This is where you're reading the word. This is how you understand things. This is how you get discipled. This is how you'll grow. This is how you'll serve. This is how you'll be dependent. And then he starts to give you skills. And he starts to bring out your giftings and your talents in your life. And says, hey, this is what I put in you. But this is to give you an opportunity to develop that gift and that skill in your life. And the more time I understand this family, this, this ability, the more time I will get built up and developed into the purpose of God. The problem is, we don't like the breaking process and we struggle with the group. We want the skills, we want the purpose, we want the two, but everything else in between, we struggle with. You won't fully understand what you're saved to until you understand you have it by grace. Everything that God has promised for you, has built for you, has developed you for, has given you the for, has given you the opportunities for, only comes but by the grace of God. I cannot give it to you. You cannot earn it. There is not enough things in this world that you can possibly do right that will absolutely give you the access to your future. But what almost conflicts with that is our understanding of how the world works. Because we see people in the world doing things that we want, right? They have the money. They have the fame. Right? They're on the TikTok. They're on the Instagram. They're on all these different things. They're driving around in the fancy cars, the big houses. We're like, why can't I have that? What is this process? Why is it that I've got to give unto God and God only gives me back what I need to? Why can't I do that? Why can't I fully be blessed? Let me give you this, right? The enemy is a liar, right? And he loves to torment Christians into believing that they should have that. And so he gives to the world. Remember what he did to Jesus? He tempted Jesus with everything he possibly... I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you everything you could possibly imagine. Just submit to me. Because that's what the world does. You can't sit there and go, I'm going to be in the world, but I'm not going to follow Satan. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're either in the world or you're not. The Bible says you're either following God or you're not. And the devil loves to tempt Christians. He loves to tempt people who are following after God with things that they want. But you've got to understand that every spiritual blessing isn't 
that you drive around in Lamborghinis every day. Although that would be cool. It's every spiritual blessing. See, this earth, this time on this place, is only a, it's only a, drew, uh, a vapor. It'll end really, really quickly. And then after that, that's what we get. We get the fullness of what God has for us in eternity with him. And even while we're on this earth, God has a plan for our lives and God has a purpose for our lives and a fullness that we are able to walk in, but it doesn't necessarily look like what we think it's going to look like. But it's understanding that God gave you this spiritual blessing. But he doesn't just write, oh, and there are blessings to be had. He doesn't write, oh, and there are spiritual blessings. He writes that there is every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Because it's that last part that actually gives you where it is. It's in your position in Christ that you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You have the fullness of who God is through Christ, in Christ. That is our position. That's why we are baptized, immersed in His Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. We are put into or we are dropped into His Spirit. It's because it's His Spirit that actually drives us or draws us to understanding our position in Christ, which gives us all the spiritual blessings we have. And it's understanding that. So what are we saved to? Everything. Everything that God has for you. That's eternity future. That's your eternity is locked in. That means when we die, we don't actually truly die. This flesh dies, but you don't die. You live for eternity with the Father in paradise. And the alternative is the opposite direction. It's a place without God. We have these two positions. We have the believer's position in Christ. And then we have our believer's condition. And the more we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, the more we allow us to marry the two, the more we can actually walk in the fullness of who we are. And the more you understanding how little this world can actually offer you. The conflict happens when we read passages like this. In Hebrews 10, 14, it says we are perfect. And then Matthew 5.48 says you should be perfect. One deals with our standing position or our position in Christ. The other deals with our condition. And there's a conflict. So when that conflict comes, how do we understand how to walk in the fullness? How do we become, if you want to use this concept, how do we become a good Christian? How do we become a good disciple, a good follower of Jesus if we have this conflict of understanding the two different positions that we have? So we develop our Christ-likeness through simple things like prayer. We develop our Christ-likeness through simple things like the Word of God, through fasting, through giving, through forgiveness, through the church body, through service. Where we're saved to is fullness. Where we're saved from is our past. It's gone. What we're saved by is by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And the more we allow the Spirit of God to work in us, through the tools of the weapons that we have, through what He has, the more Christ-like I become. Because that's what He's trying to do. He's trying to marry your condition with your position. He's trying to marry what we understand as our human condition, 
This is where I sin. This is where I make mistakes. This is what's linked to my past. This is, you know, when someone frustrates me and cuts me off on the road, I want to say things and want, want to do things. And this is, this is the condition or this is the position that I struggle to read the Word of God and become dis- uh, disciplined. This is the problem I struggle to, to pray and seek Him. This is the problem I get offended. This is the condition that I that people tick me off. This is the condition that I get angry. This is the condition that, that I sin from. But this position in Christ, this is what I've been promised. This is what I've been given. This is what I have. This is where I, I can stand because this is what Christ has given me. This is what I'm saved to. This is the fullness. If you want to understand what eternity will look like, I truly believe it's like the Garden of Eden. That we were given this picture of, of the beginning in the Garden of Eden to be like a symbol or a concept or a construct of what our future will be like. That we will walk in the cool of the day with, with God the Father in paradise. That we will have things that we need to do as Adam and Eve did. They, their job was to be stewards of the garden. They would name the animals and tend and look after the garden as their jobs. But they got the blessing of walking in the cool of the day and when you get the understanding of that, I get to walk in the coolness of the day, the greatness of the day, the goodness of the day. I get to worship God and I don't have to worry about things. If I'm hungry, I can grab something off a tree, right? Not that you'll be hungry in heaven. And I can walk in this place and this is, this is the wholeness, this is the fullness, right? This is my position in Christ, not because I earned it, not because I did anything, but because I'm saved by grace. And if I just begin to understand the position, get a greater revelation of what I'm saved Two, I can deal with my condition, my humanistic condition of sinfulness. I can deal with the garbage in my life. I can deal with whatever the life throws at me. I can deal with the disappointments. I can deal with the frustrations. I can deal with my flesh. I can deal with certain things because I know that greater is in me than he that is in the world. Why? Because I am positioned in Christ. I am positioned in heavenly places. And meanwhile, as I'm transitioning, as I'm being transformed in that place, I can move in all the different things that God has given me. I can move through prayer. Prayer is a great tool. Learn it. Do it as often as you can. I got the Word of God that can remind me, instruction me how God has dealt with people, how God has interacted with people from the past. I got fasting. I can fast and I can crucify my flesh and I can pray and seek God with earnestness. I can give and I can release the things that might hold me to my, my, my past. God gave me forgiveness that I am forgiven because of all the things and that gives me the strength then to forgive other people who have wronged me. I have the church body that I can get comfort and I can get support in when the things that I need and I can, I can have a reason to get up in the morning and I can have support and if I need someone else to pray for me, I can, I can do a message or I can ring up and I can get that support. And when I just need to be in worship, there's worship. And when I just need to serve and humble myself, I can serve and humble myself. God gave us all the tools God gave us everything that we needed in order to walk in the fullness that we have. And what your fullness looks like is exactly the same as mine. It's in that position in Christ that my eternity is signed, sealed, and delivered. 
God doesn't operate in our time. He doesn't work to Kronos time. He operates outside of time. He sees the beginning and the end all at the same time. He sees where you're at, what you're going for, what's going through, what's happening, what's everything, everything. He sees it all. He knows what you've done. He knows what you did in your private. He knows what you do in your public. He knows everything. Why? Because he's outside of time. And yet he still extends the hand of grace to us. He still hands, extends that hand and says, Hey, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I'll be whatever you need. I can heal you. I can move in things. Yeah, but you haven't. Yeah, what? That doesn't mean anything. See, I know this, right? I will be healed. It may be the day that I step into eternity, that I will have my fullness, or it may be here on earth, but it doesn't matter. I keep praying, I keep asking, I keep seeking Him, I keep standing in faith, knowing that my condition is being transformed into my position. If you don't know Jesus Christ in Lord and Savior, it always begins in this position, in this condition. But being born again gives me access to that condition. It's not something major. You don't have to understand deep theology. It's just simply opening your heart to Him and receiving Him. And if you're interested and want to know who Jesus Christ is and know who your Lord and Savior is, then I'll be down the front and I'll be waiting for you. But we do encourage you to stay and have some fellowship. I know we're light on today. I know there's people away, there's people sick. Lots of stuff going around, so I encourage you to stay as healthy as you possibly can. Understand. Seek God. What do you do with a message? Simple. You take what you have, what you've been given, and you hold on to it and you pray through it. God, help me understand the revelation that I have, that I have a position that is in Christ. And that you have, that I also have a condition. And as I allow you to move in my life, I can marry the two of my condition to my position. Pray for it. Seek through it. Read the Bible about it. Get the revelation of who your Lord and Savior is and what he did for you. We're going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. We can leave the chairs out today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that it is by grace that we are saved. Not by my works, not by my actions, not by anything I did. That I am in Christ, that we are in Christ. And although we have a condition, Father, of our humanity that is sinful, your Father, your grace covered us all. And as you begin to work in our lives and transform us into the fullness of our position that is seated in heavenly places with you, that we are found in Christ, Father, I thank you that you continually work in our lives. Father, bless us and guide us and direct us in all that we have. Father, I thank you for every person here. And Father, we just speak complete and utter healing upon our bodies, upon every person who is sick. We speak life. We speak the name of Jesus. I speak Jesus over all those people who have injuries, Father. All those people who need you to move, Father, break through in any sort of personal area. Father, we just speak your mighty hand, your blessings and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.